With his uh, Friday afternoon withdrawal from the Liberty Mutual Golf Tournament in outside New York City, is Tiger is Tiger Woods's career possibly, due to injury, finally over? As we welcome you to this 376th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. And I bring this up because the simple fact, earlier this morning, watching on the Golf Channel, of course, that is the... That is the the brains. That is the where you where you go for your information in regard to the PGA Tour and and golf in general. But they were talking about this very same thing this morning, and you know all year long, since Tiger won back in April, at uh, Augusta for his 81st PGA Tour title and his 15th major championship. All we've been hearing about is maybe Jack's record in regard to 18 major championships. Maybe that is in jeopardy now. We thought only needing two more wins that he'd pass Sam Snead for all time in regard to he'd have 83 PGA Tour championships. Um, I think both of those are in peril now. I really do. And you've heard everybody, all the talking heads, talking about it. He hasn't played the same since Augusta in April. Well, you're right, he hasn't. Because the back seemingly is a problem. He isn't able to practice as much as he needs to anymore. And here's the other thing, folks, that I don't think I don't think a lot of talking heads have given the proper respect to. And that is there are a lot of very, very good golfers right now playing on the PGA Tour. Um, Dustin Johnson comes to mind. The best of the bunch right now is Brooks Kepka. Um, Rory McIlroy comes to mind. Jordan Spieth seems to be making a little bit of a turnaround this weekend as he was in the lead going into the third round this weekend of the first playoff thing out in uh, whatever the hell they call it at at the Liberty Mutual in uh, New Jersey. Uh, The Northern Trust is the name of the tournament. There is a lot of great competition. Justin Thomas. And there's a lot of great competition on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean these days. And Tiger has to be able to... He, You know what? Tiger's won 81 times second most in in the history of the game of golf. But even guys that have won 81 times need to practice because if you're not sharp, you ain't going to win again. And if you're not, if you're not sharp with the competition, like it is now, if you're not sharp, you're not going to win. You're not going to give yourself a chance. And I think at this point, there's no way in God's green earth that tiger plays next week at the BMW championship at Medina in Illinois. There's no way. I don't think he's going to be physically able. He then will not have enough points to qualify for the Tour Championship the next week at Eastlake. So I believe Tiger is done for 2019 for sure. He is the captain for the upcoming in December, the President's Cup. He is the captain in Australia for the U.S. team. But if you're Tiger Woods right now, do you put yourself in as a playing captain? I don't think so. I really don't. I think there are other options on your team that you have to think about before a less than 50% Tiger Woods. And I think Tiger, I'm hoping that Tiger's smart enough to realize that. He's only played how many rounds? He's only played four tournaments since April. How can you stay sharp at that level? And I know I have been huge in regard to my backing and my, uh, my, uh, advocacy if you will for tiger woods and it's i was there was no one more excited than i was when tiger won in april and won his 15th major championship at augusta 
but we're not seeing the same Tiger now. And when Tiger shoots a 75 in round one, can't complete his practice round on Wednesday of this week, there's a problem here, folks. And the problem is when you have had how many knee operations and four fusions of your back, when you swing as violently as he does, how can you play at that level? And I personally, and this, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but my gut feeling is agreeing for one of the few times in my life with Brandel Chambly of the Golf Channel. I believe that Tiger is done for 19, for damn sure. And now, depending on what he does to strengthen himself and get ready for 2020, if he comes back at all at 2020, it's going to be in a very limited capacity. Well, this has been my problem with Tiger all along. You can't just waste a decade and then come back and then have 30 more years. I mean, it's just not going to happen, right? So he should have been more serious for the last 10 years. Even if he had his scandal, I think he could have come back sooner. I think he could have. I mean, I understand you have to kind of lie low for a while, but not 10 years. And I just think it was too long of a layoff. And now to come back, it's amazing he won the Masters. I would have been amazed if he would have just won any tournament. Yeah, never well, mind, for sure. Never mind the Masters, right? Yeah. So. I never thought he'd win another major. He won one. That's great. That's probably going to be it. Uh, maybe what's he going to do? Have another resurgence in another ten years? Like I don't know. Like maybe he's going to. Maybe he'll get fixed up in a year or two. But he he's past. His I prime don't think. Now. I don't know about Come you, on. but I I think I don't think Tiger ever plays on the senior tour. No, but Nicholas never really played on the senior tour. Um, so is there an age limit like uh, to the? to the regular PGA tour? No, I mean, uh, Davis love at 52 is still playing selected events on the PGA tour as is Steve. Yeah, Stricker. There's, no, there's no reason to be, have a, have a maximum. If you can beat the guys, if you can and, still play for sure. If you can for beat sure. the guys, go ahead and beat the them. The only, the only minimum requirement is you must be 50 to play in a, in a champion's tour event. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I can't see tiger doing that. I think he'll always try to try it against the regular PGA tour, but he just took too much time off, and that's, I've always said, that's my problem with him. I, I just, it's, it's just like when Usain Bolt was at the Olympics, and he didn't try all the way to the finish line. It just annoys the shit out of me. Like, why, how could you pass up that, especially the Olympics, once every four years. Like, mm-hmm. who knows if you're going to be alive in four years, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy that you wouldn't go all out. I would have loved to have seen how uh, long... And how many wins a healthy tiger and a and a scandal-free tiger could have done with an entire career of just focused on being focused on golf? I would have liked to have seen what Usain Bolt's nine point five eight could have been if he's not throwing out his arms and sauntering across. Like it's crazy, and I just I can't stand when athletes don't respect themselves and the fans and their sport enough to show what is the absolute maximum performance we can possibly see from one human being. Great point. Um, also from the world of golf, before we get to some other topics here on the this 376th episode of Unscripted, this one has been bothering me forever and ever. Amen. And that is slow play on golf courses. And the saddest thing about slow play on the PGA Tour is that these are the best players in the freaking world. But when people, amateurs, weekend hackers like myself, and I don't put myself in this in this category because I am a very fast player. I don't think there's a reason to sit there and dick around. But when a lot of Hammenagers, weekend amateurs, sit there and they see guys like, oh, let's use Bryson DeChambeau, when they use that piece of crap as an example, then they try, because again, 
You've heard Chris and I say this, oh, probably close to 500 times over the 375 produced episodes of Unscripted that we've used this term, um, and I just lost, I just for, forgot the uh, term that I was going to use. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great, Mike. That's yeah, just great. I know you're almost 55. You're losing it. Um, but we are a copycat society is what I was trying to say. The NFL is a copycat league. When something works, people copycat it. When uh, a guy wins an individual sport, a championship, his competitors or her competitors are trying to copycat it because it was successful. It's only, it's only human nature. When something works, the guys that end up second, third, fourth, ninth, and 35th try to emulate it because it worked for this person. It's got to work for me. Well, we are a copycat league and we are a copycat society. And when people see uh, Bryson DeChambeau win on the PGA Tour and they see all the crap that goes with it, they're going to emulate it. The problem is that slow play in golf has reared its ugly head again this weekend at the PGA Tour, and most of the angst from fans and players alike has been pointed at the mad scientist that I call Bryson DeChambeau. Now, this was something that really, really made me laugh. Per PGA Tour rules, a shot, and what they constitute a shot is when you go up to address the ball, where your ball lies, where Chris's ball lies, Chris goes up to address the ball. He gets set in his position. From the time that you take your set position, you are supposed to have 40 seconds to execute the shot. Now, that is the worst observed rule in all of professional sports because there isn't one PGA Tour official that seemingly is, is, is following that rule because that's where slow play comes in. See, the PGA Tour... Are their penalties, they have the rules, but they never seemingly apply without a group being out of position and then a warning. So first they have to find a group out of position and then they have to warn them. And then there has to be a second warning before there's a one-stroke penalty. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. First time that these guys at this skill level are out of position, boom, one-stroke penalty. No questions asked. Screw you. These are the best players in the world. These are not your weekend ham and eggers that are out trying to, you know, play a, a little Nassau game with their buddies where they're playing for quarters, dimes, nickels, a few dollars, whatever. These guys are playing for millions. But more importantly, they're playing on the TV uh, uh, stations or the TV networks dollars. And these, these rounds are taken way too damn long. And it's funny because... Players like Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy and others have been leading a brigade on penalizing the offenders. And Ian Poulter, the famous Ryder Cup tormentor of the U.S. from England, took it even farther this weekend as he went to social media to apologize to fans that have become increasingly frustrated with how slow play has really become. And people are literally turning off their television sets because of the slow play. And a lot of it is attributable to Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau was 70 yards out. I saw the shot yesterday in his round. He was playing with Justin Thomas, and he was playing with some other guy. doesn't matter. And the, the patience, oh, it was Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood, Bryson DeChambeau, and Justin Thomas were in a threesome. And the patience that were showed by Tommy Fleetwood and Justin Thomas were unfreaking believable all credit and all proper respect to those two young men. But Bryson DeChambeau was 70 yards out with his chip shot, and this guy 
walks it all the way up to the green, then walks it all the way back to his ball. And then when he gets back to his ball, then he told Justin Thomas to go ahead and hit. Well, why he's dicking around, why didn't he tell Justin Thomas to hit first? See, that's what I'm having a problem with. Not only are the rules getting stampeded over, but also the etiquette of golf is getting stampeded over. If you know that you're going to be a little bit slow, allow your playing companions to go ahead and hit their shot while you dick around and try to figure out how you're going to hit it from under a tree or around a rock or under a bridge or wherever. But idiots like Brandon Bryson DeChambeau, notoriously slow. J.B. Holmes, notoriously slow. These guys have got to be penalized. And once they're penalized, I think that will pull their heads out of their asses. Well, I'm hoping we get to a point where every sport has a clock on there, need ha- it. has a shot clock. Doesn't matter. We're starting to see it a lot more in poker now, finally. Like in the big, even in the big high roller games. Right now, going on, there is, uh, I think it's in Europe somewhere, there's something called the Triton Millions, and they had a tournament and they had a cash game and stuff. And it's essentially the most lucrative poker tournament ever done like it's it's a million dollar buy-in really yeah and so all these guys are buying in for a million dollars and it's good and these guys have a shot clock and they're playing they're they're paying a million dollars of their own money to get into the tournament and someone is having them on a clock yeah and they've got beautiful they've got 30 seconds to make a decision now they get a hand they get a few of these little time extensions so it's like you have 30 seconds to make a decision and some of these decisions oh yeah you know you know you've got it can be the difference between you know a few spots in the tournament if you're at the final table let's say it can be the difference between winning you know uh, getting your million back or winning five million or ten like i mean it's a it's a big decision right and you've got 30 seconds and the guns to you right and so then you have a few of these time extensions so if it's a big decision you can throw one out now you get an extra 30 seconds right and nobody minds in these big spots if you're taking a little while and no limit hold them so if these guys can do it with their own money on the line like this then there's no excuse for golf there's no excuse for baseball we need to get to this i mean i just expect that Hopefully in the not too distant future, because it should have happened already, you know, you can flip through channels and like, oh, here's a baseball game. And you just see the shot clock counting down as the pitcher is about to throw. And then you go to, oh, here's golf and here's the shot clock and here's poker. Here's the shot clock. And we should just see it everywhere. And there's no reason not to. There's there's no sport that should be immune from some sort of clock. And even and even the ones where there is a clock, I mean, the NFL has a play clock and a game clock, so that's fine. But even that still has problems. Even if you have that, they still have, uh, they need a much faster review process and they need, frankly, less commercials if possible and, and a shorter halftime. There's, there's a bunch of things I think they need. But uh, yeah, like at least as a first starting point, you need to have a shot clock in, I think, every sport. I can't think of something where that shouldn't have any shot clock or any game clock because it doesn't even make sense. Even in All Elite Wrestling, which, you know, you've uh, been bringing up, and I appreciate that, Jim Ross, the great wrestling announcer, who's also the senior advisor for All Elite Wrestling. Jim Ross is working for All Elite? Oh, yeah. He's gone from McMahon? Yeah. Oh, McMahon treated him like shit for too long. Way to go, JR! Oh, great. JR and Chris Jericho, and there's all sorts of... uh, I knew Jericho was over there, but I didn't know JR was Jim Ross is the lead announcer and the senior advisor. Great. You couldn't have a better guy. Great guy. Great barbecue sauce. 
Uh, <laughs> great, the important thing. My favorite seasoning, bar none, in this kitchen. They, I used to be able to buy it up to Canada, and all of a sudden now it can't come to Canada for some reason. So haven't had it lately, but I'll have to buy a few bottles next time I'm somewhere in the States where I can get it. I'll but, buy it for you. Thank, oh, yeah, when you're down there. Yeah, try. Uh, but anyway, the, uh, the neat thing about him was he was interviewed uh, on, uh, on the radio the other day, and he said... He hated how WWE does not have time limits in their match because traditionally, even WCW or like NWA back in the day, whatever, you know, the ring announcer would just, even if they didn't really pay attention too much to it, the following contest is scheduled for one fall with a 20-minute time right, limit. Right, I remember that. Right, yeah. that's what they, they were all like, or a 30-minute, or the main event with a 60-minute time right. limit. And back then, when you had Ric Flair on top and everything, I... Uh, it was regular. Ric Flair would regularly wrestle 60-minute matches, mm-hmm. often to a draw. That's so right. you give the fans lots of action in the ring. They get their money's worth. But uh, no one gets weakened. Everyone stays strong. And, and you have it's just common to have draws. You never see draws anymore. But Jim Ross said the other day, it's like, how can you have a, an athletic contest without a time limit? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like, especially if you've got a two-hour television show. I mean, let's let's say that wrestling was real. You can't. You can't just go and just, oh, yeah, we're just going to have 10 matches and uh, we know we're going to finish at the top of the hour. Like, you don't know that. The reason that professional wrestling started not being real in the first place was you go back to 1905 and you have these big matches with uh, George Hackenschmidt against Frank Gotch. And they would go five hours or eight hours because they were so it was boring as shit to watch. But I mean, the two best in the world, no one wants to make a mistake. And they're just sitting here. You look at the early UFC days which, uh, you know, didn't have rounds. Uh, I watched Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn in the mid-90s, like, circle each other for half an hour. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah, because, I mean, you don't want to make a mistake, right? right? And so it's wow. just, it's, it, it, I mean, even in poker, why, do, why are there blinds? Because if you don't have to put in some money once in a while when you don't want to, everyone's going to sit there until they get pocket aces, and there's no incentive to move. So I love Jim Ross's point about you can't have an athletic contest with no time limit doesn't make any sense so if guys in professional wrestling can realize that it doesn't make sense to not have a time limit then guys in baseball and guys in golf better get with the program too no question um i just think it's ludicrous and again um we again not to sound repetitive but there's a lot of truth to what i say in regard to we are a copycat nation and when people see these professional golfers doing this they're going to emulate it and then that leads to potential slow play on your golf course on the weekend. If you, now, let me just say this. I've been playing golf since I was seven years old. I'll be 55 on November 1st. So I've been playing golf a long time. And I understand when you're beginning, but pick your times to play. Monday afternoons, mm-hmm. um, you know, morning golf during the week. Monday through Thursday, there's a little bit more leeway for you to take a little bit more time and practice as you try to get better. But when you're playing in what I always call the prime time areas, which are uh, Friday through Sundays, and anytime Friday through Sundays is prime time, you have got to be able to complete a hole in 15 minutes. And in my estimation, with a golf cart, a player or player's regardless of your skill level, should be able to get around an 18-hole golf course. Now, if you're on, if you're a 
22 handicap and you're playing Augusta National, you're not going to get around in four and a half hours, and that's not going to happen because they're not going to let you on Augusta National. But what I'm saying is, on your home golf course, you should be able to get around on the premise of 15 minutes a hole. If you have a cart, even if you're walking, really, you should be able to get that hole done in 15 minutes and you shouldn't be out there for more than four and a half hours. And when you're out there for six hours plus, there's something radically wrong. And the only people that lose there, obviously, are the people that are running the golf course because they can't get enough foursomes out onto the golf course. But you're also losing because if there's something wrong and you're out there for six hours, you haven't been hitting the ball very well either. It's been a long day. Yeah, there's a reason that my dad likes the 6.03 a.m. <laughs> yeah. tea time every Me time too. with no one in front of him, likes to get out there. And if you get in his way, you uh, might think that it's either Jack Nicholson or Elon Nordegren coming after you with a nine iron <laughs> because you don't want to do that. You Get the fuck out of the way. The only person you should be running to into at 6.03 in the morning is the greenskeepers that are cutting the green or fairway in front of you. That's the only thing that should happen at 6.03 in the morning. And uh, I love the 6.03 tea time because you're done by 9.30. Um, and I know Chris's dad's the same way. Chris's dad, Chris has told me, Chris's dad would have two 18s in by the time the rest of the rest of the troop oh, yeah. got out of bed. Oh, yeah. So um, something's got to be done there in professional golf. I want to switch to Major League Baseball. We don't talk a lot of baseball because, well, baseball pretty much is boring as all hell. But there is a phenomenon happening right now in Toronto. And let me tell you, folks, the Blue Jays are not very good. The Yankees are dominating the American League East division. Um, Boston is always going to be there. They will buy their way to another championship. And surprisingly, the Tampa Bay Rays are always there as well. But let me tell you, folks, the Toronto Blue Jays, love them or loathe them, and I'm not a big fan of Ross Atkins, the general manager, or Mark Shapiro, the old Cleveland president who came to Toronto and took over as the president of baseball operations for the Toronto Blue Jays, and not a big fan. But they have done something right. They finally got all the kids up there. You've got uh, basically the offspring of a Major League All-Star team in Toronto, considering you've got... um, Vladimir Guerrero, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the son of Vladimir Guerrero Sr. at third base. You've got Kevin Biggio, who his dad is the Hall of Famer, Craig Biggio at second base. And recently they just brought up the shortstop, Bo Bichette, his dad, Dante Bichette. He was a couple times all-star, I, I think, with the Colorado Rockies and the Milwaukee Brewers during a long Major League Baseball career. But what I'm saying is the kids are up in Toronto. They're doing a nice job. They're not doing anything this year. And if they can find some pitching in a couple years, they should be competitive again. But what this young man, Bo Bichette, has done in his 12 games, he's been in the Major Leagues 12 games since he got called up. Last night against the Yankees was the end. That was his 12th game. It ended his 11-game hitting streak. He had played 11 games, and in those 11 games, he had an 11-game hit streak to start his career. And during that streak, he became the first rookie with an extra base hit in nine straight games since some guy named Ted Williams did it way back in 1939. 
He also became the first player ever to hit a double in nine straight games to start a career. That's the, he's the only player to ever do that in Major League Baseball history. His numbers through 12 games, he's got a 385, 385 batting average. He's got a 439 slugging percentage. He's got a 788 on-base percentage with four home runs and seven RBIs. And my question to my friend, Mr. Fluke, is why didn't the Blue Jays organization bring this guy up at spring training and let him break the season with the Blue Jays? They weren't going to do anything anyway. And 11 games in, guy's a future Hall star. He's been amazing. Yeah, I hope it continues. So do I. And, uh, well, Mike mainly wants to continue because of Bachette's mother. So I looked Oh, him. Bachette's mother's hot. Her. She looks nice. She's got kind of like a, I don't know, a tear career look in one of these pictures. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. yeah, she looks like a nice, uh, mm-hmm. good-looking lady there. That's cool. But, yeah, Bachette, uh, you never know with these streaks in baseball. I mean, when you have someone like Pete Rose or DiMaggio with potentially multiple streaks at a time, like, then it kind of is like, okay, this, this guy is really special, or Ted Williams or something like that. But... Most of these streaks, you almost have to think that there's just some luck and variance oh, in it, sure. right? I mean, I hope it continues. It's a cool story, especially since the Blue Jays have nothing else going on other than maybe Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, starting his career. But other than that, there's not much going on. So it's a nice story. It'll be interesting to see how long it lasts. It'll also be interesting to see if he ever does anything like this again, because yeah. that's where you start to think, oh, okay, maybe it's not just random variance. But yeah, it's it's a really nice story, but... Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm glad you brought it up because of the mother for sure. So. Well, and before we do get out of here, I I, I do have to say that um, um, I hope the young man continues. I uh, it's really been a great story, and the and the thing that's made it really good is that the incumbent shortstop for Toronto this year was a guy they brought in last year, spent a couple years years ago with the Philadelphia Phillies, spent last year with the San Diego Padres. His name is Freddie Galvis. Freddie has been an unbelievable teammate to Bo Bichette because obviously the way Bo Bichette's playing, he's going to take the majority and get the majority of the starts at short, and that leaves Freddie Galvis out. Freddie has either had to be the DH or play second base, but he's done it with he's done it with class. He hasn't bitched one one iota, and I really have a real respect for Freddie Galvis for him to to take on this role as a mentor. He's still going to play, but obviously the future at shortstop in Toronto is this young man named Bo Bichette, and Freddie Galvis is allowing this to happen. And in this day and age, I find that very refreshing because I know a lot of Major League Baseball players in their current situations, if they were being, if they had been put into a situation like this, would not treat it and handle it as classily. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going with it. If they would, I'm going with it. They wouldn't have handled it as classy, let's say, as Freddie Galvis has in Toronto with the Blue Jays. So congratulations to him. Before we wrap up, as promised, and Chris had uh, made a bit of a mention of it, but I think this is important. And uh, I think this is important to the future of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. I think it's, it's, infor- it's important that we, we uh, line ourselves up with an up-and-coming organization that we both believe in, that we both believe has great potential in, that uh, is giving us an alternative to the monopoly that has been Vince McMahon and the WWE over the last number of years. 
And that's why I'm going to continue to do this. I have the okay to do so from the boss, which is important to me. But I think, again, it's important to Unscripted that we line ourselves up with good organizations. And that's why it's important to me to keep having Chris uh, advise you, alert you, inform you about what's going on with any updates in regard to all elite wrestling. So having said that, I want to hand the microphone over to the executive producer, Mr. Fluke, with any news or notes that he has that he can share with us here on Unscripted Air about all elite wrestling. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, it's uh, you know what I really like about it is the cons who own the Jaguars, they've said they want their athletes to have a work-life balance. And this is a completely foreign concept in the world of professional wrestling because any other sport that you can think of, like truly athletic sport, not poker or something, but any sport has an off season. Any other yeah. sport has an off season or else you just get a lot. If you're a boxer or if you're, you're in the UFC, you get a long time between fights. You might fight two or three times a year and that's it. But wrestlers to this day are still on the road 250 to 300 days a year. So they not only have, you know, maybe if you're in WWE, you have Raw on Mondays, you have SmackDown on Tuesdays. I mean, and I know that they're two different touring groups. They have two groups going, but I mean, there's that. And then most of your week is just these non-televised events and they're mostly useless. And I I know from going to them, you can have a good time at these, but if you go to a non-televised event... It's the guys, I mean, your body can only take so much if you're a wrestler. I mean, these guys mostly are just having fun. They're, no one's trying to have a five-star legendary match with no real TV cameras there. Uh, you know, you're just kind of trying to... It's almost like if you're a comedian going on tour at a smaller club, you're just trying out your stuff. Right. So when you're on TV, you know, you maybe you're used to working with this guy or whatever. But um, what I like about All Elite Wrestling, it's been really easy to follow as a fan. And this is a concept that I keep bringing up. I've brought it up this week, and I think we're going to be seeing more and more people bring it up all the time. As we get so many entertainment options, it's tough. Like, mm-hmm. even if you're a huge WWE fan, like I know Ryan, our buddy Ryan still watches WWE. His wife, Nicole, is a big WWE fan, which is great. But even if you're a big fan of that, and let's say you want to just see everything that WWE is doing, like, that's so hard. I mean, if it's during, let's say you have a, a pay-per-view that month, on Sunday, you're watching, what, three or four hours of wrestling. Monday is another three hours. Tuesday is another two hours. You're getting eight or nine hours in three days, and that's not even all that's on that week. It's unbelievable. Nobody can keep up with that much content. Whereas with AEW, I've been a fan since they started in May. It's been three shows so far. It's been great. Once in a while, oh, I got a couple hours of wrestling I can watch. Well, I'm just kind of doing a, like, I'll, I might be... I don't know, I might be writing a blog or I might be doing something else on the internet while I'm kind of watching half screen, half screen. And I get a, an event once or twice a month. That's great. But to have this much content, you have to, you'd have to watch WWE at the expense of everything else. And that's just not realistic for most people. So I love that AEW is not only espousing work-life balance for the athletes, which is completely foreign uh, in the world of professional wrestling, which doesn't have any unions or agents or anyone looking out for the wrestlers. But it also is good for the fans who can get plenty of great action mm-hmm. and don't have to try to just do it at the expense of everything else in their life and all their other hobbies and all their other entertainment time. Because that's just completely ridiculous to expect of your fans. But yes, uh, really excited for All Out on August 31st. And then, of course, their first TV taping of their new weekly show on TNT starting October 2nd. Uh, it's going to be great, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it all. It's, it's really, really a great thing for wrestling. 
and doesn't that it would help your product? I would think. Obviously, if the if your if your product isn't all beat up from overuse oh, yeah, all the well, time. Well, of course, and then also, yeah, and then if you're a wrestler, think about it. If instead of, and I mean, obviously, these guys are also able to go out if they want to work more. They're allowed to work with other leagues, oh, like they are. Oh, right, yeah. So like, they're not generally exclusive contracts. I mean, someone like Chris Jericho has been is almost fifty years old. He's been around for a long time. Uh, he has plenty of money and he's not going to probably go and work these little independent shows. But for the younger guys, you have someone like Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who is a huge up and coming star. He's only about 23 years old. He's not only a big star in AEW, but also in one of the other top leagues, major league wrestling. And so he's in multiple leagues and the cons are okay with that. It's like, yeah, go ahead, you know, like go work some extra there. If you want to make some more money, we got your, you got your contract with us too, but it's not exclusive. It, I'm sure it says like, you're not allowed to be in WWE too, but WWE wouldn't allow you to be in AEW anyway, sure, sure. but you can, you know, you can kind of work as little or as much as you want. Uh, one of the female wrestlers who goes by Dr. Britt Baker is legitimately a dentist with her own practice in Florida. And so she literally gets to have her own dental practice and then wrestle sometimes, which of course she could never do if she was in WWE. Right. She actually gets a work-life balance. It's unbelievable. It's just, these are all just such radically foreign concepts. And if you're also not just dragging yourself from airport to airport most of your life, and you're on the road almost every day of your life, if you don't have that, you can, when you do go to get in the ring, uh, number one, you're not beaten down from just it's your whole life. And number two, you don't have any of these matches where you just kind of mail it in there and televised. Every match you're having is like a major show or at least on TV, if nothing else. So you, I think that we're going to see that AEW isn't going to really have any bad or mailed in matches. Every match is going to be the guys trying their hardest and being as healthy as possible. And yeah, it's a really good thing for everybody involved. That's good, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, August 31st, show. August 31st is our next big event. We'll it's have a to get together. I want to see that. Yeah, sure. And yeah, they're going to crown the first ever champion. It's Chris Jericho against uh, Hangman Adam Page to be the first ever AEW champion. And uh, yeah, I again, I've been wanting Mike to see some modern wrestling for a while now because he's seen Hulk Hogan throwing shitty punches in the 80s. And what they can do now, it will yeah. blow your... I don't know what you're picturing, but it'll blow your mind. I look forward to that, and uh, I look forward to uh, watching uh, the a, a, all elite wrestling uh, more, and, more and more. And uh, I, I'm encouraged by what I'm hearing, and it seems like they're doing it... Their business model seems to be doing it the right way. Well, and then, I like the ability... Sorry, but I like the ability that they can have their life off the squared circle, and yet they can still have that, get the competitive juices flowing and do their thing, and they but they can still have it all. Mm-hmm. Whereas, obviously, in Mr. McMahon's organization, it's all or nothing. But the nice thing about having the cons involved is, sure, Shad Khan is a, is a businessman who's very successful, has a great portfolio, and has many billions of dollars, more money than Vince McMahon. But then the key there is Tony Khan. His son is the one who runs it, and Tony Khan... Well, seeming like a very sharp businessman for, I mean, I think he's in his mid-30s, he's younger than me, but he is legitimately, in addition to anything else, business experience that he's gotten working with his dad, he is legitimately a true fan of professional wrestling. I mean, he, he really loves it. And one thing that doesn't get mentioned about Vince McMahon, because numerically, Vince McMahon is unquestionably worldwide the greatest promoter of professional wrestling of all time in terms of 
dollar. You can't even make a case right. for anyone else. Oh, for sure. Like Antonio Noki and guys in Mexico, they're great, but they, you, they can't compete to, with Vince McMahon in terms of just what he's accomplished as a promoter. But what most people don't realize about Vince, about Vince McMahon, he knows absolutely nothing about professional wrestling outside of WWE. He knows WWE very well for and sure. exactly what's going on. And he is just like, he doesn't delegate anything. He is one of those just he's the biggest control freak on the face of the earth everything goes through him the buck stops with him and that's it and he knows WWE very well but he knows nothing and I mean nothing he is completely in a bubble he's surrounded by yes men he's like Bill O'Brien in Houston basically except with more money and he just knows nothing 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 about professional wrestling outside of WWE whereas Tony Khan knows a lot Tony Khan is known for he'll talk with the wrestlers and he'll Talk about, oh, remember this match from a 1997 ECW pay-per-view or something. Like, he's a true fan of professional wrestling. I think he's exactly the right guy to have a young up-and-comer with his dad's money behind him, but he's not some entitled stupid brat. I really like him. He's represented himself very well in interviews, and I think he's a great guy to have going forward. And everything they've done so well has been right. And I and we've been hard on Shad Khan for being a little bit of a different cat, I think, at times, mm-hmm. with uh, how he's run... Uh, his soccer team and the stadium stuff and the Jags and the pool at the Jag stadium and taking him to London and all this stuff. But I have to say, I'm very impressed with him delegating this to his very capable son. It's been really great so far and I hope it continues. Well, if things continue like they did after week one of Jacksonville's exhibition season in the National Football League, maybe Mr. Khan will enlist his son to run his football team <laughs> because his football team lost to Baltimore 37 to nothing on week one. And again, exhibition, I get all that, but uh, Tony Khan seems to have a good head on his shoulders, and uh, I look forward to seeing the uh, obviously the uh, all-elite wrestling on uh, August 31st. I do look forward to that. We've got a run on this 376th episode of Unscripted. As always, we thank you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. For the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.